You're listening to The Producer Podcast, and I'm your host, Micah Versman. Today, we are attempting to release a sequel that's better than the first as we wrap up our conversation with Micah Gerber on film distribution. So without further ado, let's get started. So another, I don't know if it's you call it a question or topic I wanted to get your take on is uh, the importance of film festivals in a film's release. Because I hear filmmakers on every side of the spectrum, some say, don't waste your money. Others are like, you totally should. So just what's your take on that? Is it worth doing any festivals or not? And that's exactly what it is. It's a take. Um, (laughs) This is my opinion. Frankly, on my end, if I see that the person has won an award at a festival, it doesn't make me want to watch the movie any more or any less. Um, Why? Why why is that true? Um, And this is true across the board. Academy Awards... Because really, when you get into film festivals, that's the big one, right? Oscars, Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Just because it was an Academy Award winner doesn't mean I want to watch it. Um, I think it is true that a lot of people do. When you get an Oscar, people are like, well, it must be a good movie. Let's go watch it. Um, when you get an Academy Award, well, if you follow that stuff. But if people don't follow, like... If people don't pay attention to the Academy Awards, they don't know what films are getting an Academy Award. Um, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily care. And I think in short film world, having a list of you know these dozens of festivals that have appreciated, you know. It might, if you win a hundred festivals, you could say over a hundred of festival awards on your short film or whatever. And let's say it, it, it might turn a small percentage, but I just don't, I don't hear people talking about that. They watch mm-hmm. it because they like the title or they like the trailer or they like the movie poster. Um, in in theatrical release world i've never been asked for festival awards um digital release i just i don't see people asking for it distributors don't i don't think distributors care about it um now all that to say I think it could, so there's no harm in, if you have won an award, there's mm-hmm. no harm in putting it on there. Yeah. You're not gonna, well, unless you think it's going to affect your affect your audience and then don't do that. Um, but I think there's a, there's a side to it where I don't see a tremendous value in getting those laurels it doesn't make me want to watch your film anymore or any less. 
personally. And I don't think, I don't hear it enough in my circles. And again, that's my circles. But I don't hear it enough from people that say, oh man, my film did so much better because of this award or this award or this award. Unless maybe, normally it's a recognition of your film doing well. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like that's how like Oscars are, and some of those kind of things. Um, it I feel like an Oscar is more of an award, as to say your film did an amazing job. It has so much less to do with submission. To the Oscars or submission to the Academy Awards or whatever. Um, but I think festivals are a bit of a waste of money. Especially if you're spending a lot of money. So, like, oh man, if you spend a couple hundred... Really, uh, festivals are a way to make money. That's really what it comes down to. So if you can win a festival and you've put in zero money and can get a thousand dollars out of it, why not? Yeah. It just goes towards your ROI. But if you're spending $1,000 on the chance to win $30,000 or something, okay, now I have to spend money. What's the balance? How much? How likely am I to win this? So I tend to lean towards free festivals. If there's free submissions, why not? You know? Um, mm-hmm. Do you need the laurels? No, but it's a free showing of your film. If it's really cheap, and I say really cheap under 50 bucks to submit and maybe let's say in your entire budget let's say your budget for distribution is $500 let's say you spend $100 on distribution if you're going to spend money on that festival be sure you're going to be shown at the festival Mm -hmm. how do you know you're going to be shown well, you could think your movie's great, but like, make sure it really, really, really fits what your film is. So, uh, I think there's a lot of there's a ton of festivals. There's a festival for every flavor, but like, it's a good way to put it. Some Christian festivals will show my content, some won't. It has nothing to do with the fact that you know it just happens to be how I present stuff. Um, It's not like I have raunchy content in my short films or something. It's just some shows and some win, you know, some lose. But the reality was my goal in putting things on festivals, because I have submitted to, I think, 160 film festivals. Um, My goal in every single one of those was get it to eyes. I think... 20 of them were paid and 20 of them I think the most expensive one I ever paid was $50 and I didn't get shown at that one and so I lost 50 bucks and it wasn't like I was paying for views either because <laughs> that's essentially what you're doing at that point like if you're spending 50 bucks and you're not winning anything you're paying for people to watch your movie and or hoping that they'll go to the festival and watch your movie because they always get a choice to see what they want to watch mm-hmm. or whether they want to go to the bathroom through your film 
and see the next one. I mean, it's true. Like, I mean, that's how festivals work. We've been to festivals. We know, and we do oh, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's just a reality of how it works. And so, like, sometimes you're, and you don't know where your film's going to work best. Because, like, I had a film um, that worked really well in the U.S. Then, and I released it on Amazon Prime. Worked super well. Uh, it was called Conquerors. Uh, worked super well. Everybody got it. Everyone, it made sense to them. <laughs> I got great reviews. It was all good. Then I had this film called Blindfolds that I made. And Blindfolds had horrible U.S. reviews. Like, every American I showed it to didn't get it. They were like, it doesn't make sense. It's a silent movie. All the American festivals that I submitted to, I was immediately, you know, not selected pretty much. And But internationally, international festivals, it just like exploded. Um, it showed in Tokyo. It showed in India multiple places. It showed all kinds of places. And I was just like, and it had great reviews. Like people reviewed it and were like, this made so much, this was so good. I related to this so much. And I was just like, why does it work here? And so I asked a couple people, and it's just like, it's, some films are that way, Mm -hmm. where they just work, and you don't know they're going to work, but I'm hesitant, I'm always hesitant to spend money on something that I'm, I'm not sure whether it's going to work or not, you know, which makes you question why you get into movies, but, um, but like with a film festival, do you have a guarantee that you're going to get shown? No. There's just so many free festivals out there that you can submit to to get a showing of your product. I think that's more of what I think about that is, like, it's a use of showing. So I'm not, like, don't use it. Mm-hmm. But I don't exactly consider it to be something where it's, like, yeah, it'll make or break your movie. You know, if you don't have festival laurels, you'll, you know, want to watch it, you know. Sometimes I look at it, well, (laughs) plus people like then look at your festival laurels and they're like, what is that? Like, what festival is that? They won like the, I, I actually had a festival laurel that I never put, like I won the festival multiple times, like with multiple different films. I won the festival. But I never put it on the film because it was like, it was some sort of children's festival, Mm -hmm. which was great. Like, um, it was a youth film festival or something. It was great. It's a great festival. It totally is credible and a good, and a good thing. But it's just one of those things where I knew my movie wasn't a kid's movie and I didn't want to give the idea that, oh, I want a youth film festival or I want a kids festival, and that it potentially got construed that it was kids content. Not that I'm, Mm -hmm. I mean, kids could watch it. It wasn't inappropriate or anything. But it was just one of those things where I was like, this is not necessarily for kids. So I think that that becomes more like, what ones do I want to put on? What ones do I want to leave off? Is this actually, I don't know. 
if you win an Oscar or an Academy Award, put it on there, I guess. Yeah, that might be helpful. Maybe, maybe. But honestly, I again, I'm like, does that really affect... Like, you're going to watch The Lord of the Rings, not because it won... Academy, like, the first two didn't win a single Academy Award or an Oscar. But the third one won, like, Cleared House. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to watch... Return of the King more than the other ones it won more Oscars like it's a little it's a little bit of a six one half dozen the other sure and there's so many film festivals that you can submit to for free that you potentially could make money at so like I mean if it's a free submission why not but I also wouldn't put a whole lot of work. You know, if it takes you a couple hours to submit, you know, to 20 festivals, or you have a festival list that you regularly submit to, sure, why not? Um, but don't, don't go into a ton of effort to track down every minuscule free festival so that you can submit to all of them to say that you... Because I did it, and it's not worth your time. Good to know. So, we're going to start wrapping things up, but I do still have a few more questions for you. Um, and this one we've kind of touched on throughout, but are there any common misconceptions you see beginning filmmakers have about distribution? That is just showing people your film. Um, that it's not about money it's just showing people your film distribution is completely about money that's that's literally what it's about it's your return on investment now if your investment was no money at all and and your goal is to just show it to people um, that then your return on investment like some of my early early stuff before I even thought about distribution, my distribution platform was showing it at like my small group or whatever. I think it was Bible quizzing mm-hmm. or something that I was part of, you know, and it was 10 people. We'd shoot our short, we'd shoot our little short film. I'd edit it in a week and I'd show it at quiz practice. It was great. That was my return on investment was the smiles of my fellow teammates. So there's this aspect where it's like, sure um if but really it, it comes to, if you're doing any scale of project where you're actually financially invested distribution is about money it's it's about money and it's about people seeing it's not about the reviews it's not about how many clicks well I mean, it kind of is about clicks because clicks make you money. Um, but, like, the number of people that watch your movie is cool, and that's that literally will be what excites you. But it all breaks down to what's your financial. And I know that sounds petty. Like, not everything in life is about financial gain. Um, but distribution really is about that because 
minimally you're paying yourself back for mm. all the time and effort because if you're making a film that's like really cheap like less than twenty thousand dollars you probably put in a lot of free labor as a producer probably the director has to maybe your crew got paid um but for a producer, director, screenwriter, those kind of people, that's that's literally what's what's paying you back. And sure, a lot of people, well, I'll get paid back in smiles. Like, but you can't eat smiles. Like, <laughs> that's just not, I, I mean, however much I, I'd like to make it a hunky-dory thing, it's like, that's the biggest thing specifically people who jump into first time making a feature film they Mm -hmm. just don't realize how much distribution is going to affect them early on in the process like they just aren't thinking about it until the very end after they've completed the project and then they're completely lost and they're not prepared and they're not ready and they go searching for people and people rip them off and it's sad, but it's true. Yes, it is. So then, kind of looking back um, on yourself a little bit, like, what's something you know now that you wish you would have known back when you were distributing your first project? Oh, so many things. Not to waste my time on festivals. That would be one thing. Um... <laughs> Not to waste my time on festivals. Um, Something that I know now that I really think I would have benefited from then was understanding uh, what would be distributable, Mm -hmm. what people actually want to watch. And that started back at story, you know, concept of story. Just understanding like, hey... This concept that I'm creating is cool for me and cool for a small group of people. But is it actually cool for everyone? Does everyone want to see this? Or does just a small group of people? Um, and that's probably what what I would say is like thinking about your story in terms of as a producer, thinking about your story in terms of budget, thinking about your story in terms of how am I going to reach my audience? Because mm-hmm. there's a, I think that's part of where we see a lot of um, re-editing. The screenwriter writes the story. The producer's rewriting the story for an audience. The director's rewriting a story for an audience. But they're all targeting different areas. And I think the producer's area is targeting a demographic. And it's saying, how do I reach this demographic? Sure, how do I make it producible? But how do I reach this demographic? And if that means you need to spend more money on the production, then do it. Because if if you make it cheap or you don't spend the money up front to make it good, then it's not going to give you the the return. So I think it, I think... That's probably where we're where I'm at is just, and there's so many things I have to. I mean, distribution is an 
a never-ending. I have people that have literally been doing distribution for 25, 30, 40 years. And they get me on the phone and they start talking to me and they're like, I've never thought about it that way. And it's not because I'm brilliant or something or that I've been alive that long. They've been literally distributing movies longer than I've been alive. But why? They could say the same thing to me. They'll say, I've never thought about it that way. That's the thing about collaboration. And so Mm -hmm. just being willing to hear people out and asking what people have already thought about I think is a huge one too is like I have ideas and they may be really good ideas and they may be better than that other person's ideas but what have they already thought about so that you're not just like talking over them um, I think I had to learn that a lot um, of just like giving them advice they already know and have discounted because in the back of their head, if they've already thought about it, they're just like, yeah, I decided not to go that route. I already knew that it was a really pointless piece of information that you gave me because I already discounted it. So don't waste your time. You know, really target and know their their values and what they want to. But really, yeah, don't waste your time, too. If, if someone... If you feel like the production isn't actually going to reach people and actually have an ROI, don't waste your time. It could be the Mm -hmm. most amazing story in the world, but if it doesn't have a return on investment, even if that return on investment is um, changing lives, if it's not going to have what if you think it, it like you're seeing how the production is going and you're just like man we just don't have enough money to produce this or we don't like if it's not going to have the ROI do not produce that movie it's not a it's not a worthwhile endeavor so yeah i think that's those are all things that attach to distribution and it's the things you're thinking throughout the entire time of like it's it's the big question of do i produce this or do i not is distrib- right. is it distributable or in the words yes. of, hey, will it show in Peoria? <laughs> I think was a was a festival lecture, way a lot of years ago. I uh, I like that. I'll have to remember that. So I have two final questions that aren't distribution based. Um, so first one, and I asked this to a lot of my season three guests, but uh, I thought I'd get your perspective on it. But what advice do you have to filmmakers about balancing a work family life? And I think I'm going to respond very similarly. It's a hard one. Um, it's it, work life balance. Um, oof. It's rough. Um, because you have so much of your. Money can really speak a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and if life is all about money, then it's really not worth your time. Um, so it's really setting priorities. So making sure that family is a priority. I think it also depends on whether you're married or not. So I'm a single person. I'm not married. 
which means that I have a little different priority. I also don't live near my family, um, my, you know, immediate family. So for me, I, I pull into that church family too, mm-hmm. of how am I investing in the people around me, in my sphere of influence, in my friends? Um, am I just hanging them out to dry? Because film is taxing and is you're gone for a long time sometimes um so what are you doing so i know like when i'm out on a feature i will you know zoom call in on things and try to interact and at least be there so that when i am in town i can kind of engage and say oh yeah yeah you guys talked about this um or this, and that's harder, but like trying to interact. I know a lot of people, friends, close friends that I've interacted with on set will, um, on their days off, FaceTime their family for a while. And I think that's huge. And I think as, you know, as I, you know, do sets and make that accessible for people to be crew making those opportunities for them to really be able to connect and build, foster those relationships. Um, It's a weird and hard balance. And sometimes uh, I I can't say that I don't take on projects and put that over a priority over birthdays or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a decision each person has to make of, what they're what they're at like for me i really set a priority on making sure that while i'm at home i'm really at home and i'm really you know invested i'm spending time i'm spending a lot of time um with my church family with my uh family you know if i need to go visit you know, my family or something like that when I have time off, um, making sure that I'm doing that. But also I think making them aware of like, Hey, this is kind of how this world works. It sucks sometimes. It's not great, but just Mm -hmm. helping them to understand too, like how it works. Because I think that's the biggest question that I think a lot of them have is like, well, why is he gone? Why is he not able to be there? My nieces and nephews are that way. Why can't he come to my birthday party? Um, And then, but I'm the best person to explain that to them because I'm actually the person working in that. It's not a, that's not something I should be forcing on the parent to be like, yeah, try to explain something you've never experienced to this, you know, eight-year-old who wants his uncle at a birthday party. You know, that's, that's, that's a, so take, taking ownership of like understanding where you're at, understanding where your value is. So if, if you really value that a lot, which you should, you should value family. Don't get me wrong, but some, there's mm-hmm. different levels of value, I think. And they're, they're not wrong either way, you know, but some people have a lot more connection to their family. 
Yes. Understanding that connection. Um, but also making sure that you're having the discussions with your family, um, especially extended family and stuff like that, of saying, hey, like, I also need to foster my career. My career exists. Um, it is how I put food on the table. So I, I, need to be, I need to be aware of that as well. Um, so not nixing your, I mean, it's a, it's a balance, right? Of saying, okay, I do have a career. I need to foster that, but I also have relationships and I need to foster that. So that's where I kind of look at it. Is it perfect? No, I'm an imperfect person. So. Yeah. Aren't we all? Yeah, but the, that was, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, so final question I have is what advice do you have for producers about how to network? Because I feel like producers, there's a wider field of people they need to be networking with than your camera people have to be or your G&E people. So how do you network well? Yeah, networking. Networking is coming to people where they're at and building relationship. Um, I coffee. I don't like co- I don't like coffee. I drink tea, but like taking people out to coffee, um, and it can be weird and awkward. But I think making people special in whatever that is. Um, and sometimes that's a phone call. So if they're somewhere in LA and I'm in Indiana, um, we're not going to get coffee probably. Uh, you know, if they're in Indiana, you know, making them fully aware, like, Hey, yo, let's get coffee. But I think that's really how you do anything is making intentional one-on-one. You can do group networking, where it's a group of people, but you just never know whether the person's actually engaging. Um, I think of that there's like networking mix and mingles sometimes for filmmakers. And I've gone to them and I'm like, okay, I feel like I walked away with very little, except for maybe like one one-on-one conversation that I had with someone for a half an hour. Which is good. Like, what's your exposure? So who are you exposing yourself to that is in your field? But also understanding that there could be people that you have no idea are going to be your next big insightful person in your life. Um, So I just am like, man, if you want to take me out to coffee or if you want to... If you seem even moderately interesting. I actually had somebody this past week who I thought was not interesting at all. And honestly, I did not want to get coffee with them at all. And I fully, they know this. Um, I, I'm like, I didn't want to get coffee with this person. I'm like, you do not seem like an interesting person. We have nothing in common. And then we sat down and I was like, okay, tell me your story, which is always a great, just tell, ask people. Cause then they'll, it just starts well. So tell me your story. Mm-hmm. He started talking, and I found out that he's a marketing like specialist, and the guy is literally brilliant. N- not that I didn't expect him to be brilliant, but like he's literally brilliant in the area of marketing, sales, has this broad knowledge base, and can totally be valuable in you know so many ways. But I 
almost just discounted it. Like, just don't ever discount having one-on-one and trying to make it one-on-one because one-on-one makes people feel good. Um, Group scenarios of having, you know, half a dozen people, it just doesn't actually create and foster a network. Um, Mm -hmm. Group chats don't build relationships. One-on-one conversations build relationships. So um, I think that's probably where I'd say, like, really focus on your one-on-one. Don't forget people as much as you can. Some people you're not going to talk to for a long time. Though I will say this. Like, if you haven't talked to someone in a long time, give them warning you're going to call them. Or some set set a time. I think for producers specifically, most of us want warning before we get called or something like that. I think most mm-hmm. humans. I mean, some people really like spontaneous phone calls and stuff, but I think just planning things, planning calls, planning on times to just connect, and even if you have to think up really silly ideas. I guess, to figure out how to connect. Figure out what that connection is and figure out how to, you know, pull those people together because I think it's just so much of... We just forget about it. And that's where we run into trouble is we forget to network. Or we think people are below us. Like, why would I connect with this PA? production assistant or why would I connect with this makeup artist or whatever I think so much of producing is hearing people's voices Um, you know we've talked a a lot about distribution and audiences who are you connecting with that are in your audience where who's telling you what they want to see you know, mm-hmm. if people don't watch your content anymore, why? I think that it's funny. There's a section in, uh, there's a movie called Mrs. Doubtfire. It's a weird movie, but it's a Robin Williams movie. And he's just sitting there and he's like the janitor. Robin Williams is like the janitor. And he's in this TV studio and he tells people, um, or he's standing there and he's kind of making fun of this TV talent guy because it's the science show or whatever it's extremely boring this this guy on uh, that's on camera is extremely boring dry and he's been on there for like 20 years or something they have horrible viewership and he just starts really cracking jokes with this old guy next to him about how bad it is and the he's like so what's your name and he's like, I'm the owner of this studio kind of deal. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. scary, right? But this producer is sitting there trying to figure out in his head how on earth I'm going to save my viewership. And this guy's boring. I'm bored. Everyone's bored. And all of a sudden, this janitor walks up. And I get it. It's a movie. But like this janitor walks up and starts making jokes and... In the movie, he saves the day, and you know he's the new talent for the show, and he's funny and all that stuff. But that's literally how it works, though. You don't know who your next big break is going to be. Your next big screenwriter who's 
been, you know, written 10 screenplays, but um, he's cleaning the bathroom somewhere because no one was willing to pay him or he just was too afraid to show his work to people. You just don't know. So, like, everyone is a potential... Don't look... Yeah, I guess don't look down on anyone. Down on anyone, but also don't look past anyone. Try to connect, try to be social, and just reach. How far is your reach? How can you reach as many people as possible? And just know about them. No facts. Because, and always have more than one of a crew type. That's, that's, that's completely random fact, but as a producer, make sure you have more than one of a crew type. Because you just never know when someone's going to call you and be like, I need six grips. Oh no, I only know one. Um, <laughs> or I need six PAs. I only know two. You know, why do I, you know, I need six makeup artists. I only know one. I don't know why you'd need six makeup artists. But like, like you just never know. And so having a lot of different people in even different price ranges, I have a list like that of like people I know where their price range is for getting crew. And just knowing that kind of stuff is very helpful. I think producers are connectors. We're connecting the dot, or we're connecting people to people to people. And if you're not yes. doing that, you're you're kind of not being an effective producer. So like, how can you how can you make sure everybody's getting work? And so, knowing what people cost, knowing how much they cost to work. Um, Knowing their experience is important. Knowing their story. So um, some people, it really matters faith background. Um, some people, not as much. But just like knowing what I can recommend people for is really important in networking. Because even if I'm... You know, people hear about it. They're like, well, how did you hear that I'm a gaffer? Or how did you hear that I'm a PA? Oh, you, Micah Gerber recommended me? Okay, okay, okay. Now, So now you have this, all right, now we've got this relationship here. Oh, oh well, now I guess I had a better relationship with this person than I thought I did. You know, kind of deal. And it, you just never know where that's going to go. So that's my sage wisdom from many mistakes. No, that that sounds good and a nice note to end on. So thank you, Micah, once again for coming on the show and talking about yet another vital part of the filmmaking journey. Anytime. Until next time, make sure to subscribe to The Producer Podcast, and thanks for listening.